Hello and welcome to the Fit to Transform podcast, where you learn how to train and diet effectively and, most importantly, how to maintain those results for life, once and for all. I'm Nikias Tomasiello, a transgender training and nutrition coach working online with anyone who's ready for a true lifestyle transformation anywhere they may be in the world. As a friendly reminder, any and all information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor before implementing any changes to your diet and exercise program. With that disclaimer out of the way, thank you for being here. Now grab yourself a cup of tea or pre-workouts and enjoy. Yo, dear listeners, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I've got Dr. Scott Forbes as a special guest, and we're going to discuss everything you need to know about creatine supplementation. Dr. Forbes, thank you very much for making the time for me today. Happy to be here. When I start a podcast, I always like to know from the guests themselves who you are, what you do, and why you're so awesome at it. Yeah, so my name is uh, Dr. Scott Forbes, as you mentioned. I'm an associate professor at Brandon University, um, which is a kind of a small university in Canada. And um, so part of my job is conducting research, but I also teach in the exercise science stream at our university as well. And most of my research involves looking at different uh, nutritional or dietary uh, supplements, um, combined with exercise to enhance muscle health. Um, but we've also began to look at uh, how these supplements can also influence other tissues in your body as well, including bone tissue and brain tissue as well. So that's uh, kind of been some emerging kind of areas that we've started to explore in our, in our, in our lab at the university. That's really fascinating. And I think we'll touch upon uh, some of that research in today's podcast, given creatine's benefits. This is a, a small spoiler for the audience. But thank you very much for the introduction. Before we dive into the topic of creatine itself, I'd like to set up realistic expectations because I think that the supplement industry is quite unregulated and there are some marketing claims that uh, make people believe in myths that I believe must be dispelled. So my first question would be, we know that creatine is likely one of the most effective performance enhancing supplements we have available. But when we say that it's effective, what's the actual realistic magnitude of the effect that an effective supplement can have? Yeah, so uh, with any supplement, it's typically very, very small. And yeah, so the way I try to kind of explain it or think about it is uh, trying to build a cake. Um, so a cake, you need a really good foundation. And so the foundation is not supplements as much as they'll try. The supplement companies will try to tell you that that's really important. Um, it's not. And the, the most important things are just regular exercise. Um, conducting that exercise at the appropriate uh, frequency and intensity, um, getting enough rest. So sleep is extremely important. And then just eating healthy, eating real food is probably the easiest kind of dietary advice that you can give somebody. But those three things are going to have a really big impact on your health. 
And then um, when you're making a cake, you need icing on that cake. That might be um, like looking at nutrient timing or how much protein you're getting in your diet. We know that protein uh, is important to help build muscle and build enzymes and has a variety of kind of important aspects within your body. You can add sprinkles on that cake. And uh, that's essentially what, what creatine is. It's just, it's making your body a little bit healthier. It's making that cake a little bit better, but really it's just the sprinkles on the cake. So the magnitude of effect of, of these supplements are very, very small. Um, some of them, they do have benefit. There is some evidence to support that, but it's important for your listeners and for people to understand that um, it's not going to make you turn into Mr. Olympia in one or two years. These uh, these supplements are, are not steroids. Um, you know, they're not going to have this really massive effect on muscle growth. It's really very small magnitude of effect for sure. I really like that analogy, especially the differentiation between the icing on the cake being protein, which people tend to believe is so fundamental, and the sprinkles being the creatine. So if the listeners can imagine, okay, you're, we're already all thinking, wow, protein is so important. It's really just the icing, then the creatine is even less important than that in the grand scheme of things. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's really important to uh to keep in the back of your mind when we're talking about some of the, the science behind creatine in particular, because yes, it, there is a lot of evidence for creatine to enhance, for example, resistance training adaptations to get bigger and stronger muscles. Um, but really the magnitude of, of effect is, is quite small. And the most important thing is just to go and lift weights and to perform exercise. That is, you know, the most important thing. And we can't forget that. Thank you very much for answering that question. And now that we've turned off pretty much 80% of the audience by telling them that this episode is, is useless, we can now discuss creatine. So question about creatine. The first one that comes to mind is what is creatine and what does it do? Yeah, so creatine is made up of three different amino acids. And so anytime you consume protein, um, those protein molecules are made up of uh, different amino acids. So you take three specific amino acids, put them together, and you get creatine. And uh, your body can actually synthesize its own creatine, primarily in the liver and pancreas, but also in your brain as well. So you, your body is always making creatine, which is kind of nice from those three amino acids. Um, but you can also get creatine in your diet. Um, so you uh, primarily as uh, red meat or seafood. But you can also get it in chicken or milk or other uh, products as well. And then um, or you can buy it as a commercially available um, supplement as well. So once it gets into your bloodstream, about 95 percent of creatine is taken up into the muscle. And once it's in the muscle, uh, it does a lot of things that um, can influence muscle health and muscle growth and impact the cell. But uh, the main thing is that it's going to increase phosphocreatine, which is stored potential energy. And that particular uh, molecule or energy system is used for high intensity exercise. So anytime you're uh, sprinting or lifting heavy weights, for example, you're going to be utilizing that particular energy system. So if you can make that energy system a little bit bigger, 
you can train a little bit harder. And that's where a lot of the training adaptations come from with regards to creatine supplementation. Okay, very interesting. So that's th those are the benefits on muscle and performance. Are there other benefits that may be related, for example, to the brain or the or bone health, like you mentioned earlier? Yeah, for sure. So I could start uh, for looking at bones. Um, so hopefully your listeners know that if you combine creatine with resistance training, you can get bigger and stronger muscles. That's been mm -hmm. shown um, in, in lots of studies to really uh, show the benefit of creatine supplementation. And we know that muscles um, are attached to bones. So anytime you're contracting a muscle, that's going to cause a little bit of stress on a bone. And that can lead to positive bone adaptations over time. So in theory, if you take creatine and perform resistance training, um, you can provide a little bit more stress on your bones and they can get stronger over time. The other thing is that uh, creatine can directly affect, um, they're called osteoblasts. So they're the bone forming cells. And so they've done cell culture studies where they sprinkled creatine on there and it increased the activity of those osteoblasts. So creatine can have a direct impact on bone and uh, bone formation over time. Um, so if you actually look at the studies, they need to be quite long in duration. So bone adapts a lot slower than muscle does. So it takes at least nine months to see significant changes in, for example, bone mineral density. And um, and you have to you have to train as well. So it looks like the longer term studies show a greater benefit of creatine supplementation on bone health when combined with exercise. If you just took creatine and didn't exercise, it has no impact at all. And I just want to mention that uh, um, just last week, um, Dr. Darren Kandau and Phil Chilibeck, Phil Chilibeck is uh, he was my uh, master supervisor. Um, and Dr. Darren Kando is a good friend of mine. They just published a two-year training study where they had, I believe, 237 postmenopausal women. They were randomized to either creatine or placebo. And those that took creatine, it actually improved their bone geometry. And bone geometry or the shape of the bone is actually a better predictor of bone strength. Um, and um, so that's some pretty uh, cool kind of recent information looking at the effects of creatine on, on bone health. That is really cool. I'm going to find out about that article so I can put the link in the show notes for the listeners. And so I can read it myself. That's Absolutely. really interesting. So my understanding, based on what you said, is that creatine can have, in combination with exercise, an indirect effect on bones because by resistance training, we can strengthen muscles and therefore strengthen bones, but it can also have a direct effect on bone by acting on the osteoblasts and increasing their activity. And osteoblasts create new bones, so they increase bone turnover. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but that direct effect doesn't seem to be enough of a stimulus. Um, it has to be combined with exercise. And uh, that was there was actually another two-year training or a two-year uh, intervention study that was done out of Brazil, where they gave creatine every single day for two years, and they found no effect on bone. So again, that was a really good study, but um, clearly shows that you have to combine creatine with exercise, particularly strengthening exercise, 
to get those uh, bone effects. And the studies that show a benefit, they actually train three times a week. So mm. um, we think that there's kind of a, a frequency requirements as well to get those bone benefits. I see. So you would say it's a frequency. Uh, it's a matter of frequency because when you said three times a week, it occurred to me, it could it be a matter of volume of resistance training volume? It, it definitely could be. Um, so there's not, there's, there's no study that I'm aware of that's compared, for example, training twice a week versus three times a week with the same training volume, looking at bone adaptations. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, there's, that there's lots of things to investigate still and, and more questions to answer. But yeah, I, I would speculate that it's probably a, a certain volume of exercise that's required. Um, but it also has to be done at a certain intensity as well to get those mm -hmm. bone benefits. That makes sense. Just like hypertrophy needs to, well, requires a certain level of intensity as well as a certain level of volume in order to uh, occur. So that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. So that those are the benefits on bones. Are there any on cognition and brain health as well? Yeah, so that's definitely an emerging area of research looking at the benefits of creatine on your brain. Um, so your brain is different than at your muscle. So your muscle has a lot of creatine transporters and it, it uh, is easily influenced by um, creatine supplementation. So if you take a creatine supplement you get about a 20 to even up toward up towards about 40% increase in the amount of creatine or phosphocreatine within your muscle. Um, but at the brain, it's, it's a lot more challenging to get creatine into your brain. And uh, so uh, again, it might be based off dose or um, duration of study, things like that. But uh, your brain could also synthesize its own creatine. So it doesn't rely on just exogenous dietary intake or supplementation of creatine. It can actually make its own creatine. So there are some differences between the brain and the, and the muscle. We also know, for example, uh, vegetarians or vegans who don't consume a lot of the uh, foods that contain creatine, they actually have lower amounts of creatine within their muscle than um, omnivores, those that eat meat. And they tend to be more responsive to creatine from a muscle performance perspective. But from mm. a brain perspective, uh, there's some pretty cool studies looking at vegetarians and omnivores. And they actually have the same amount of creatine within their brain. So your brain maybe uh, does a good job of kind of controlling how much um, creatine is, is in the brain. And uh, yeah, so what are some of the benefits of having creatine in the brain? Well, we know from um, certain creatine deficiency syndromes, so people that uh, are have are born with certain genetic errors, essentially with creatine transporters or the ability to synthesize creatine, um, they tend to have some kind of uh, uh, functioning problems within their brains. And we know that supplementation could be a benefit in those particular po uh, populations. Um, so that's some. Um, Pretty cool research and some strong evidence that creatine definitely influences how your brain functions. And then um, we know in animal models that uh, creatine can enhance memory, um, that it can enhance kind of how your brain functions. And there's uh, been a few human studies to support that as well. That's really, really interesting. I am wondering, based on these various benefits on bones, on uh, muscle 
and on the brain, I made a little list of uh, specific subsets of the population that I'd like to ask you about to know if creatine could potentially be even more important or more beneficial for those people than for others. So for example, uh, for people who are neurodivergent, um, for example, they are on the autistic spectrum or they have ADHD, could there be a, an extra benefit to supplementing with creatine? Yeah, so I think where you get kind of the benefits of, of creatine is when your brain is, is stressed. And there's mm. there's a few uh, ways to, to stress the brain, and, and those are definitely some diseases or disorders that are associated with uh, um, kind of stressing the brain. And we know that they actually have lower amounts of creatine in their brains. Um, so they, mm. in theory, they could benefit from, from creatine supplementation, but I'm not aware of any human creatine supplementation studies in those uh, specific populations. The, mm -hmm. the studies that I'm aware of where they've shown some benefits of the stressed brain is uh, with hypoxia. So a low amount of oxygen going to your brain is one way to stress your brain. And um, we know that if you're getting a lack of oxygen to your brain, um, your cognition goes down. So they did a standardized computer test in kind of a normal situation where they had lots of oxygen and then another situation where they're getting a lack of oxygen to their brain and their cognition went down as predicted. But if they were uh, supplementing with creatine, so they supplemented with creatine for a week, what they found was that when they, even when they're uh, performing those cognitive tests in that hypoxic situation, um, their cognition didn't go down um, or uh, sometimes it went down a little bit, but less than what you would predict without creatine. So it kind of shows the, the power of creatine in a stressed situation such as hypoxia. Um, other ways that they've stressed the brain and the creatine research is with mental fatigue. So another mm. situation they made you do uh, 90 minutes of uh, math and no one likes doing all the calculations uh, for 90 minutes, but that really stressed the brain. And they showed that uh, creatine could be a benefit um, in that situation as well, following mental fatigue. And then we also know that uh, creatine could be a benefit um, following concussions. Um, and mm. that's been uh, shown as well in a, in a couple studies in humans and other uh, animal studies as well. That's really interesting. I, I think um, that's the potential benefits on mental fatigue could in some sense I would be interested essentially in seeing studies uh, on people with ADHD and autism. I have a lot of clients who are neurodivergent and they do report high mental fatigue because they have to often mask to conform to uh, neurotypical society or they get um, sensory overload, which leads to more mental fatigue than a neurotypical person wouldn't deal with. So I'm wondering maybe even if creatine doesn't really affect their neurology potentially could have an effect on their mental fatigue in that case. But obviously, if you say there are no studies, then that's an area that I would be interested to uh, see more research on. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely something that has to be explored a little bit further. There's, uh, there are, uh, we just uh, did a pilot study in uh, stroke survivors, um, and we showed that uh, combined, combining creatine with uh, exercise resistance training actually improved their walking speed more wow. than the placebo, which was pretty cool. And uh, 
Another way that actually that people stress their brain too is with sleep deprivation. And mm. there's a few studies to show that uh, that creatine could be a benefit both in a sport setting, um, but also in a non-sport computerized standardized test um, setting as well. So, um, so yeah, there's there's lots of benefits to the brain with creatine, particularly when the brain is stressed. Very interesting. And then another uh, specific population that I was thinking about was uh, the elderly, particularly because of the benefits associated, uh, well, the benefits that creatine can have on bones. So do you think that there would be, that the elderly could benefit in particular, especially from creatine supplementation? Absolutely. So um, we know that uh, creatine combined with exercise again, so that foundation exercise, uh, which yep. is so crucial. Um, we know that it's a benefit to enhance their muscle performance. So not only is are they going to get bigger and stronger muscles, um, but they're also going to be more functional as well. So one way in the lab that we measure that is just a sit to stand test. And so they go in a chair and they stand up, they go in a chair, stand up, and they perform better when they take creatine. And so that mm. test has actually been um, associated with falls risk. So if you perform poorly on that test, you're more likely to fall. And so we were pretty excited when we found that creatine could actually benefit that functional task in an older population. So there is lots of evidence to show that creatine is a benefit from a muscle performance for older adults um, or elderly population. And we also know that um, the studies looking at creatine combined with exercise on bone health as well have been done on on older adults. Most of the, most of the studies have been done on older adults, and uh, those are the ones that are benefiting. Um, maybe not necessarily bone mineral density, but bone geometry is improving and bone strength is enhanced with creatine supplementation. So those are some pretty promising benefits. Um, so if you are an older pop, uh, older adult, I, I highly recommend considering creatine supplementation. And then lastly, at the from the brain level, um, there's, as I mentioned, there's very few studies to actually look at creatine supplementation. I believe there's 11 studies or so that have looked at creatine on, on cognitive function. And uh, the ones that are done in an older population tend to show greater benefits. Um, so wow. it seems to have a greater effect, at least at enhancing memory in older adults as well. So um, definitely if I was, in, was uh, you know, 65, 70 years of age, I would really consider uh, taking creatine supplementation to enhance a variety of different tissues within my body. That's uh, fascinating. Thank you for explaining that. You already covered vegetarians and vegans by explaining that they, ha they have a lower concentration of creatine within their muscles. So clearly for them, more so potentially than omnivores, creatine could be important, or at least more so than omnivores who do consume seafood and red meat, it sounds like. And so the final population uh, that I had in mind was um, people assigned female at birth, so uh, women. Uh, cisgender women and gender diverse people who were assigned female at birth. I'm wondering if there are any sex-based differences. I've seen sometimes in the fitness space um, women wondering, should I take creatine? Will I benefit? Is it just for men? What's the answer to that? So creatine could be a benefit for both males and females. 
Um, but there might be some uh, small differences between males and females with regards to responsiveness to creatine supplementation. So there was one study that was done in the 1990s that looked at how much creatine was in the muscle between males and females, and females actually had a higher amount of intramuscular creatine stores. And so because they have a higher amount to begin with, they tend to be less uh, responsive to creatine supplementation. So they might their muscles might not get as big um, compared to males um, who are taking creatine. So they tend to have a kind of a smaller response. Um, but we know that creatine is an effective supplement to enhance their muscle growth. And we also know that uh, it can also improve their, their muscle strength as well. So it is going to be as, uh, as effective uh, in females um, compared to males um, from a strength perspective, but maybe the muscle growth is going to be slightly different. And very recently, um, Abby Smith-Ryan, she's a phenomenal researcher kind of in the supplement um, exercise world, but focuses a lot of her research on uh, on females, and, and uh, which is super, super important. And she recently published a paper looking at creatine across the menstrual phase um, mm -hmm. or the, across the menstrual cycle. And she showed, looked at water retention on the different phases. And she showed that um, females in the luteal phase tended to store a little bit more water compared to the follicular phase of their menstrual cycle. So it seems like uh, some of the hormones and across the menstrual cycle might differ in a female population as well. Wow, that is really interesting. Thank you for uh, for covering that. I'm going to research uh, this, uh, this Abby Smith-Ryan as well. I am uh, getting lots of names that I want to learn more about today. Thank you. Absolutely, so, yeah, you need to have her on the podcast. She's She's the best. Oh, I will do my best. If uh, if she's willing, I am uh, definitely interested. So if you're listening, Abby Smith-Ryan, reach out to me. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Anyway, so it sounds like creatine could essentially benefit the majority of people. Is there anyone who for whom creatine might not be safe or considerations to make about any negative side effects that creatine could have? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. My, my general answer is that creatine is, is safe for almost anybody. But if you have um, kidney dysfunction, that would be one situation where I would recommend that you go talk to your physician, um, to your nephrologist, your kidney doctor, and uh, maybe consider creatine supplementation, or maybe you might not want to consider creatine supplementation. Just like um, if you have kidney dysfunction, you might not want to consume a, a really high protein diet. Same thing with um, creatine oh. as well. But for healthy people, um, I, I highly recommend uh, creatine for a variety of different reasons, um, different tissues, and from you know younger adults all the way up to older adults could all benefit from creatine supplementation. So if somebody has healthy functioning kidneys, you would not think that creatine would be a concern. Yeah, so creatine is extremely safe and there's no evidence that creatine damages your kidneys. Um, but if somebody does have creatine dysfunction, mm -hmm. they have kidney, uh, chronic kidney disease, for example, um, I would suggest that they go talk to their physician. So that's the only kind of situation that uh, 
I'd be a little bit hesitant um, to recommend creatine in that particular population. But that being said, um, there's actually, we know that um, individuals that are going through dialysis, that process, they actually lose a lot of creatine. And so they also tend to lose a lot of muscle mass and they have, uh, you know, difficulty with some of their cognitive function as well. And so creatine could be a benefit for those things. And so there's actually a group from uh, the Netherlands that are starting to uh, look at creatine supplementation in individuals receiving dialysis. So that'll Mm. be really cool when that research comes out to show that perhaps creatine is safe in those populations and uh, could be a benefit for those individuals as well. That makes a lot of sense. I'm wondering why is it that uh, the kidney, if you have pre-existing kidney conditions, creatine could be unsafe? What would be the mechanism there? So just like consuming um, kind of a high protein diet just makes your kidneys uh, work a little bit harder. Um, mm-hmm. But the the one thing, so people always say that creatine causes kidney dysfunction is because creatine is non-enzymatically degraded or broken down into creatinine. And okay. uh, cre- creatinine is used to um, estimate kidney function. So if your creatinine levels go up, then uh, they basically assume that your kidneys are are not doing well. But uh, mm-hmm. that's not the case as well. And there's other markers that you should use if you are supplementing with creatine. It's called uh, cystatin C is mm-hmm. a, another marker. And we also know that uh, creatinine is uh, also increased if you're consuming a high protein diet or uh, if you have a lot of muscle mass as well. So if you're going to the gym, you're training hard, you're putting on more muscle mass, um, somebody might look at your blood markers and be like, whoa, whoa, you're your kidneys are falling apart, but um, it's just because they're looking, they're using creatinine as that indicator, but it's well, well established that creatinine is influenced by a variety of different factors, including creatine supplementation, muscle mass, and dietary intake of protein. So we need to be, uh, I think we need to educate uh, doctors from just looking at that particular marker and coming up with a conclusion without understanding the full picture. Yeah, I always have. That was a good point to make because I always have to remind myself to tell my clients, hey, I've suggested creatine. If you do start to take it, do tell your doctor because if they look at your blood, they might freak out. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, and if if your doctor uh, just thinks creatinine levels are um, going up, even if you're on creatine supplementation, that uh, that's really bad. I would perhaps try to find another doctor that's more educated with regards to creatine metabolism. That makes sense. And um, so uh, one other potential circumstance under which people might wonder, "Mm, is creatine safe, Um, would be pregnancy. Uh, Do you know anything about whether creatine is safe during pregnancy? Yeah, so that's a, I, I get that question all the time. And currently there's no evidence um, to show that creatine is either harmful or safe during pregnancy. Mm. Um, in humans, there's, there's been uh, a few animal studies that have been done from an Australian researcher. Her name is Stacy Ellerly, and uh, she's kind of leading the way um, with regards to creatine supplementation during, pre- during pregnancy and in animal models. 
And I believe she's running human studies right now. So once she has published those data, then we can say whether creatine is safe or not safe during pregnancy. So my general recommendation right now is just to wait until the, the evidence comes out. But uh, there's no reason or rationale to why creatine would be unsafe during that time. So ultimately, it's down to one's judgment to choose. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Thank you. Now, we've discussed the benefits, the potential uh, cons to consider. Uh, now, I would like to move on to how, um, well, how to take it. Basically, which type of creatine would be best? Um, what dosage? There's, there are different methods. For example, there's a loading phase, which you, if you could explain what it is, that would be great. Or uh, it, there could be simply taking a smaller amount for a longer period of time. So if you could cover those aspects, that would be really helpful. Yeah, so um, it's, it's fairly nuanced and complicated. <laughs> um, although at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be. But uh, so the first question was what type of, of creatine? There's mm -hmm. lots of different types of creatine, um, but the most researched um, is creatine monohydrate. And we know that creatine monohydrate is effective and we know that it's extremely safe as well. And it's also mm -hmm. the cheapest form of, of creatine. And so that's usually what we recommend um, just based off the scientific literature. There mm -hmm. are alternative forms of creatine that are more expensive. There is some research on them. They've shown to be just as effective as creatine monohydrate, but uh, not superior to creatine monohydrate. Mm. And so again, just based off of uh, creatine monohydrate being the cheapest, the most studied, and we know that it's safe and effective, that's what I'd recommend. So just stick to creatine monohydrate. And then from um, how much to take, um, this is kind of uh, my my opinion on this is is changing a little bit um, over the last year or two, but we know from a muscle perspective that um, you can do that loading phase that you mentioned. So the loading phase mm -hmm. is where you take 20 grams per day. Usually you take that in four different doses throughout the day. So five grams in the morning, five grams at lunch, five grams at dinner time five grams a night. So you get 20 grams in a day and you do that for five to seven days and you can saturate your muscles with creatine or you get about a 20% increase in creatine within your muscles. Mm -hmm. We also know that you can just take a lower dose of creatine, for example, three grams per day, and you can saturate your muscles with creatine. It's just going to take a little bit longer. So instead of saturating your muscles in a week, it might take 28 days to saturate your muscles. Mm. And so those are kind of two different uh, strategies that you can try and really whether you want to load or not can depend on a couple factors, but one is how quickly you wanna get the benefits of creatine. If you're just taking creatine for your general health, then I just suggest being patient and just doing the, loading, uh, the lower dose, just three grams per day. If you're an athlete that really wants to perform you know, really well in a week and they want to get some of the benefits of, of creatine as quickly as possible, then um, the loading phase is a very effective strategy um, that they might want to consider. And uh, we know that uh, those can have similar uh, muscle benefits. 
um, over time. So whether you do the low dose or the, the loading phase, it actually doesn't really make a difference. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's those are a couple of the, the dosing strategies. From the bone and the brain perspective, it's not as clear um, how much creatine we actually need to kind of get the best benefits. But from the bone perspective, it looks like a higher dose of creatine might be better than a lower dose of creatine. And we've actually looked at studies consuming um, more than five grams per day. So they're typically around 10 grams per day um, versus those that were just consuming five grams per day. And the studies that were consuming around 10 grams per day show a better bone effect compared to the lower dose. So that's, mm. uh, so to me, if I want to enhance my bone health, I'm, I'm actually gonna wanna consume um, 10 grams per day to really get the best benefits. And your brain, um, we don't know the best dose, but uh, I think 10 to 20 grams per day might be better um, than five grams per day. But we need to do dose response studies to confirm that speculation. Do we know a safe upper limit yet? So that, that's a great question as well. Um, I've seen um, in, uh, studies looking at uh, 30 grams of creatine for long periods of time. Uh, 30 grams per day. Um, so we know that 10 to 20 grams per day is is perfectly safe and fine to do for even long periods of time. Um, so yeah, so we um, I can't answer your question very well. I don't know what the upper limit is, but I know that uh, 20 grams per day is not a scary thing and it's not going to destroy your body. It's not a, a huge amount. Um, and it's well tolerated, safe, and yeah, your body will function and maybe even function better from a brain perspective. Thank you for clarifying that. I'm wondering, just to uh, make sure that the listeners are all on the same page with us, when you do the loading phase, so you, you load the creatine for a short period of time, and then afterwards, would you go down to the lower dose for the chronic period of time for a longer time frame yeah absolutely so once you're once you finish that loading phase then um, just to maintain saturation typically they recommend five grams per day but uh, if you just drop down to three grams per day you can maintain those saturation levels mm -hmm. there's uh there's a couple studies out there that have looked at two grams per day and they showed that if you took two grams per day, one study showed that you were able to maintain your creatine saturation. Another study showed that was not effective at maintaining your saturation of creatine within your muscles. Um, mm -hmm. So it's so cheap. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, kind of an easy supplement to take. So I think most people just recommend five grams just to ensure that you're getting at least three grams absorbed. and. Um, and then to maintain those those saturation levels within your muscles. So, yeah. So after that loading phase, um, you drop down to a maintenance dose. That's great. Point. Brilliant. Thank you. And do you need to cycle off of creatine at any point? Yeah. So that's a great question as well. And the answer to that is no, you don't. Um, so, for example, that that uh, Darren Kando, Phil Chilibeck, uh two-year study, they gave actually 10, approximately 10 grams of creatine for two years straight. And they showed that it was perfectly fine and healthy to do in that uh, older adult postmenopausal women population. 
Um, so that was pretty cool and some pretty cool findings. Um, so you don't need to cycle on and off creatine, but we also know that if you stop taking creatine, it takes about four to six weeks to return back to baseline. Mm. So, uh, so that's maybe what some people might want to do if they, uh, want to save a little bit of money or they just feel better when they, uh, cycle on and off creatine for whatever reason. Um, then uh, you can definitely do that. So you can take creatine for a month and then cycle off creatine for a month. And um, you probably won't lose that that much uh, benefits just because it takes so long to return back to baseline. Thank you. Now I'm wondering if there's a best way to take it. For example, can you take it with both a cold beverage and a hot beverage? Is there a best time of day to take it? And is there any food or drink that might interact with it? Yeah, for sure. So we know that if you perform exercise, that it sensitizes the muscle and um, can help with creatine uptake. So there's a, a really cool study where they did a single leg cycling. So they just made them bike um, with just one leg. And uh, then they fed them creatine. And then they took muscle biopsies um, to, uh, so basically took a chunk of muscle out of their legs to find out how much creatine was being absorbed into the muscle. And the leg that exercised was able to take up the creatine better and faster than the leg that didn't exercise. So I suggest that you take creatine close to your exercise session to just enhance creatine uptake as, as quickly as possible. Um, we also know that if you combine creatine with either carbohydrates or protein, um, both of those stimulate insulin, and that can help with creatine uptake as well. So, um, yeah, so if you have your protein shake after you exercise, then uh, maybe that's the best time to, to take creatine. Um, but uh, we've actually done a study looking at whether you, uh, it's better to take creatine before training or after training, and we found uh, no difference. Um, with regards to uh, resistance training adaptations. We measured muscle growth with an ultrasound, um, and we measured uh, changes in muscle strength, and we found no difference between taking creatine before training or after training. So you can take creatine kind of around your training, but any time is, uh, is going to be effective. And we've also actually done a study where we've uh, given creatine during training as well. So some people like to take little sips during their training, and we found that that is an effective uh, strategy. So you can take it before, during, or after training. They're all going to work to enhance resistance training adaptations. Yeah, as I mentioned, consume it with protein or carbohydrates. And uh, yeah, consume it close to your training session is, is the best. Perfect. And what about the uh, temperature of the, the actual drink? Is there a problem if the drink is cold or hot? Yeah, so um, it's easier to mix creatine in a hot beverage compared to a cold beverage, um, but that's actually not necessary to um, to uh, ingest creatine. You could actually just take the powder and eat the powder. Ah, yeah, dry scoop. You you might yeah you you might choke a little bit and uh, it might not be the best. Um, during that moment, but it's going to be just as effective. So that's kind of a, another a myth is that you actually have to mix it with water and it has to be mixed for it to mm -hmm. be absorbed. Um, it, that's not necessary. 
but um, if you do want to ensure that it's all mixed, um, usually what I do is I try to, I have my, my glass of water and I just have it at room temperature and it mixes a little bit easier compared to if the water is really, really cold. Um, mm. If you have a hot rep beverage, yes, you can mix creatine very, very easily. And that's uh, another strategy to, uh, to con consume creatine as well. That makes sense. And is there any drink or any food that might interact with it, um, reduce or nullify its effects, anything that we need to consider in that? Yeah, regard? so uh, the common, uh, caffeine might be the only thing that negatively interacts with creatine. Now, I know this might surprise a lot of listeners as well. So at the, we lost 80% at the start when we told them that uh, just exercise, sleep, and- Now we've lost everyone, Scott. <laughs> now, and now we've lost everybody with um, don't consume creatine and caffeine at the same time. Um, but a lot of pre-workout supplements do that. Um, but we we actually did a caffeine creatine study and we were the only ones to do a training study. And we found that uh, if you took creatine alone and trained, you got uh, bigger quadricep muscles. So leg extensor muscle thickness went up. Uh, but if you took creatine and caffeine, it actually uh, it went up. but to uh, a lesser effect compared to if you just had creatine alone. So that was mm. one of the variables. We measured a whole bunch of other variables and we found no difference. But uh, on uh, leg extension, we did find that negative interaction. And there's been a few shorter term studies to suggest that they might negatively interact. So if you're really concerned about that negative interaction, I just suggest to consume caffeine before you exercise. That's when um, maybe 60 minutes before you exercise to get the benefits of caffeine and then consume creatine after you exercise. Mm, yeah, that would make sense. Thank you for uh, clarifying that. So now we've talked about how to take it in the most effective manner. I would like to leave the listeners with some expectations when they start taking creatine. First, does it cause water retention? Yeah, so um, particularly during that loading phase, so if you took 20 grams per day for five to seven days, um, that's where you get some water retention. And uh, that water retention is actually a good thing. So there's been studies uh, done from McMaster University in Canada where they looked at um, all these uh, things within the muscle and found that if they increase cell swelling, so from that water retention, that, that actually stimulated the muscle to grow. So that was actually a good thing to occur. And that's one of the mechanisms of, of how creatine can actually work to enhance muscle growth over time. Um, but there's also been some research done and one of them um, was done by some Brazilians alongside uh, Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, um, who's kind of uh, leading the way in, in the world with regards to muscle hypertrophy and muscle growth and training. But what they found was that um, after eight weeks of training, they looked at the ratio of intracellular water to skeletal muscle mass. And so what they found was that that ratio is actually the same after eight weeks of training. So um, skeletal muscle mass went up, so they gained muscle. and proportionally the increase in intracellular water went up as well. So that ratio actually remained the same at the end of the eight weeks of training compared to at the start. So 
if people say that creatine just increases water retention and and that's the only effect that it's having to increase muscle size, that's not true. It actually does stimulate muscle growth over time. That makes sense. And then in terms of effects, we've mentioned that the effects are very small, but what can you expect to experience and uh, how long does it generally take for that experience to occur? Yeah, so I recently did a uh, systematic review and meta-analysis with uh, Dr. Schoenfeld, um, and uh, it was led by one of his uh, his uh, uh, graduate students, Ryan Burke, um, so shout out to them. And uh, they looked at uh, regional hypertrophy using direct measures of hypertrophy. So, um, so only the studies I looked at all using ultrasounds or uh, computed tomography or um, kind of advanced techniques to just look at direct muscle growth. And what they found was that if you took creatine, um, your muscles grew about a 0.1 to maybe 0.16 of a centimeter more um, compared to placebo. So that's using those, those muscle thickness measures, which are pretty small. So creatine is really just the, the sprinkles on top of the cake. It is going to have a small effect, um, a positive effect, but uh, yeah, to put it in perspective, it's it's quite small, this, this effect that it's actually having. And in that particular study, they actually showed um, in in older adults, it was a less lesser effect compared to younger um, individuals. And that may be based off of uh, methodological differences between studies. Um, it may be based off of uh, as you age, you tend to lose uh, type 2 muscle fibers or your fast twitch muscle fibers. So that might decrease the responsiveness of creatine. There's a lot of kind of uh, speculation as to why there might be some differences. Um, and uh, so one of the conclusions was that, yeah, just in, in older adults, it has a really small effect. The only thing I would say is that generally as we age, we lose muscle mass. And so even though it was a small increase, I think that's still um, promising from kind of a, a health and a functional standpoint in that population is that not only did they were they able to maintain their muscle, but uh, they're actually able to gain a little bit of muscle when they uh, took creatine and performed resistance training, even in mm. um, that older population when you expect that there's actually going to be de a decrease over time. Very interesting. However, from a visual perspective, somebody looking at themselves with the naked eye, they wouldn't probably notice anything. I'm wondering if from a performance perspective, you might notice a difference when you're starting to take it once your muscles are saturated with it. Would you think that you would notice something? And if so, what would it be? Yeah, so again, the, the effects are relatively small. And so that's the thing that... Uh, Another question I commonly get is like, how do I know if creatine is actually working? Um, and it's it's very difficult to actually know if it's working unless you're a part of a, a big study and we can look at the mean differences and tease out that small effect of, of creatine. But yeah, to, to observe a, a 0.1 centimeter difference in muscle thickness is like, you're not, you're not going to be able to really see that, but you might just feel a little bit better. Um, your strength might go up a little bit, but uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of one way to know that that creatine is working. But yeah, it's hard to know if it's 
the actual magnitude of, of effect that it's having on you individually, um, because the effect is definitely quite small. You use the term individually, which leads me to my final question. You've kind of implied that as you were answering other questions, but I just want to make it very clear for the listeners. Is there a spectrum of responders to creatine? Does everybody respond the same? Is there anyone who might not respond at all? Yeah, so there was a nice study done by another Canadian researcher. Uh, his name was uh, Dr. Dan Siratak, and uh, also collaborated with, uh, I think his name, Dr. Gordon Bell. Um, so mm -hmm. they're from the University of Alberta. And what they looked at was responders and non-responders to creatine supplementation. And they found that there's two variables that predicted responsiveness to creatine. One was uh, how much creatine they had in their muscles to begin with. And uh, so we know vegetarians have lower amounts of creatine. Um, there's some evidence that older adults, particularly in their vastus lateralis, so one of their quadricep muscles, um, have lower amounts of creatine. So in theory, both those populations might respond better. But the other variable was actually your fiber types. So we have kind of two major fiber types, slow twitch and fast twitch fibers. People with more fast twitch fibers. Um, so those are the important fibers for sprinting or doing explosive activity. Um, they tend to respond better to resistance training, but they also respond better to creatine supplementation. So I mentioned previously that older adults might have lower amounts of creatine within their vastus lateralis. So they might be more responsive. But we also know that as you age, you tend to lose your fast twitch fibers. So that might make them actually less responsive to creatine supplementation. Um, so those are kind of two the two main factors that can determine responsiveness. So you're, to answer your question, not everyone is going to respond the same to creatine. That makes sense. Thank you for explaining. So. I asked all of the questions that I could possibly think of. And I think just to summarize, creatine seems to be safe and effective for a vast amount of people. It seems to have benefits on a muscle mass, performance, bone health, and brain health as well. The most researched and probably most effective variety of creatine to date is creatine monohydrates, which you can take. Um, which you can take in a loading fashion and then adopt a maintenance dose, or you can start at the maintenance dose and carry on. There doesn't seem to be any need to cycle on and off of it. Um, the maintenance dose seems to be three grams per day, is what you mentioned. And the only potential negative interaction could be with caffeine. So you've suggested take the caffeine before training to enhance performance and then take creatine afterwards. You might see some water retention when you start, but that's actually a good side effect. Um, and remember, creatine is just the sprinkles on top of the icing, on top of the cake. Have I summarized it in an effective way, do you think, or have I missed out on anything? No, that was uh, a, a great summary. The only thing I would add is that mm -hmm. maybe a slightly higher dose of, of 10 grams per day, um, especially for those bone benefits. So mm. yeah, three grams per day or the performing the loading phase and then going to a maintenance dose is effective for muscle performance. But if you want to get the bone benefits of creatine, it appears like a higher dose of creatine might actually be required 
but everything else was exactly right. Perfect. Cliff notes accomplished. And now, Scott, I'll let you go in a minute. But before we end the podcast, I'd like you to tell the listeners where they might be able to follow your work and if there's anything at all that you'd like to plug so I can put everything in the show notes. Yeah, so you can, probably the best place to follow me is on Instagram. So mm-hmm. Scott underscore Forbes underscore PhD, which I know is a bit complicated, but you could also just search up Dr. Creatine and ah, uh, amazing. You'll, you'll, you'll find me as well on uh, on Instagram. That's, that's probably the best way. If somebody wants to uh, connect with me there, just message me. Um, if you want to uh, ask more questions, I'll send you my email address as well. Um, or I can say right now it's Forbes S at brandonu.ca. And uh, mm-hmm. so those those are probably the two best ways to uh, to connect with me and, and contact me and, and follow some of the uh, publications as they come out. Perfect. Thank you very much for your generosity with your time and your knowledge. Thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in as always. And until next time. Lastly, if you want to support the podcast and help me reach more people, please leave a five-star rating or review on any podcast platform that you're using. Thank you very much for listening and I'll speak to you soon.